Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the same song, one that we never get tired of, especially here after the seventh verse. Welcome to the doghouse where we talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, it's a happy Monday here in the doghouse. Uh, and remember that our show is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, it's not where the game started, it's where it's finished. And Mississippi State came out of the weekend with yet another series victory over Ole Miss. Seven straight. That's over eight seasons because, of course, the 2020 season was washed out entirely. And to be fair, we've often wondered how that would have gone because that was a pretty darn good Rebel squad in 20, but Mississippi State also was just rounding into form as SEC season was about to begin and then quashed. Never mind. In all the series that have been played, seven straight, there has not been a Rebel team to know a weekend of success against Mississippi State since 2015, since before a certain young feller named Jake Mangum enrolled at Mississippi State. The rest is history, but then it didn't end with Jake. We thought after the 2019 sweep in Oxford that uh, maybe the Rebels would catch up some. Well, not in 21, not in 22, and now here, not in 23 again. Mississippi State comes away with a 2-1 series win on Super Bulldog weekend, and super it was. I would be entirely remiss if I didn't address that fact here early on. As you know by now, if you weren't here, and frankly, most of you probably were, judging by the attendance figures, Mississippi State has again reset the NCAA's campus attendance record, 16,423, if I remember properly. And there was some question about how they would count it, because something like 21,000 tickets were sold for it, but that included the concert as well. And some interest about what the local fire marshals might think about that in a capacity stadium that's a little bit under that. Never mind. State I honestly believe that was a legitimate count, and I've seen quite a few counts in various venues here. Sometimes I thought it was overcounted, like in 2014. I don't think there was quite that many folk there to watch it. Well, now that record no longer exists. It's number two. But coincidentally, of course, that was another series that State lost on a Friday night, came back, and in extra innings were able to win on Super Saturday. It's inconceivable, though it has happened, but it's inconceivable State lose on Super Saturday to Ole Miss, and they didn't. Then they came back on Sunday for a another dramatic victory, and here they are with seven straight series. I can't get tired of saying it. You may get tired of me saying it. You may get tired of listening it. No, you're not. You enjoy it just as much as we do. Come on. That's the way it works here. Just no matter what else happens, because the Rebels do have a respectable program, It adds fuel to the fire of what has been probably the best series in the SEC over the last couple of decades. And Mississippi State has dominated it for darn near now an entire decade. Congratulations to Chris Limonis, who, by the way, is 9-3 against Ole Miss in SEC games. Congratulations to the Diamond Dogs, who bounced back from Friday's defeat and an agonizing defeat at that to just play their hearts and minds and souls out and give a record Saturday crowd, and for that matter, an all-time record weekend crowd for Mississippi State, the reward of watching them win. Speaking of rewards, how's that for a segue there? Let's talk about Believe sponsor BetOnline. 
It remains your number one source for all your college and professional sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games. Uh, let's see, you got golf, you got NASCAR, you certainly got the NBA heading into playoff season, Major League Baseball for you brave souls that like to really get out there and gamble. But right on through to the championships of all these seasons, Bet Online is your headquarters. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus. I, you heard right, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Mississippi State, has it restarted the season? Well, by taking a series win from Alabama last week, we thought so, but you really want to see a follow-up from that. Boy, did they follow up after crushing UAB in a midweek game, which frankly was more of an interruption to the week and getting preparation. But I think it was actually useful. You know, Coach Lamonis today, he was finally able and free to talk about the implications of the series, the buildup to it. And he's been involved with it now since 2019. Of course, he walked in at the peak of the Mangum years, but now he's coached the Tanner Allen teams, the Westbrook and Foscue teams, and now teams of his own recruiting to successes in the rivalry. Of course, remember last year when it went down to a solo home run by Brad Cumbus providing the winning margin on the game three? Well, this time State needed a two-run homer, not in the last inning, but they got a two-run shot from Hunter Hines, who, by the way, may be the latest villain in Ole Miss baseball history. Maybe not on the order of Jake Mangum, of course, but hey, five home runs in seven games against the Rebels for the kid from Madison? Yeah, there's a there's a reason he was walked so often and a reason I was a little surprised they gave him a chance to swing there in the seventh inning today, but that was not a strike he swung at. It was well down in the zone. Hunter Hines, who is as strong as a moose, reached down, dug it up, and sailed it over right field. Yes, the wind helped, but that ball was going to leave once it was off the bat, even if the wind had come to a dead halt. And so State gets the winning margin there. Of course, State had taken a 3-0 lead on an even more impressive blast in its own way by Dakota Jordan. Now, here's, here's the man of the weekend, Dakota Jordan. Also a Mississippi kid, one of those that Coach Lamona said had to uh, be kind of tamped down over the weekend, more so than built up. Well, he tamped down the Rebels, certainly. 5 of 13 for the weekend, uh, three runs himself, six RBI, tops on the team. Hines, by the way, was uh, only 3 of 11, but with three runs scored, drove in four runs, and was walked repeatedly, just as it was Colton Ledbetter in the two slot. Ole Miss... I give them credit. They pitched it really well. State was only 18 of 89 for the full weekend. But when the Rebels made mistakes, Mississippi State made them pay to the tune of seven home runs in the three games. Think of it today. Sunday's win, only six hits and a victory. They were three hit on Friday night and still were this close, if not for a seeing-eye grounder with two outs and a stolen base, which, which by the way, if I – if if I am offering Mike Bianco any kind of a second guessing this week, far be it from me, because he's a good coach. He's a really good coach. He's done a great job with the program. He's brought them up to the level to make this State Ole Miss series a really good series and one even of national import because we had a national publication watching all three games this weekend. But I would wonder, why didn't you run more on State? 
This is a team which leads the SEC in a negative way in giving up the most stolen bases, the most attempted stolen bases, both overall and in conference play only. But they rarely ran. State pitching did a good job controlling it. Ross Highfield, who is learning the hard way and on the job, he was able to at least keep the running game from taking over entirely. Didn't make many mistakes behind the plate as well. State just overcame that and almost never quite put enough pressure on the Bulldogs to make them crack. Yes, there were three errors in one game, but State won the game. And today's one error came to naught. It really did not matter. That's It was an unusual week in that sense that the Rebels didn't try to run. State made mistakes, but they didn't hurt. And State, despite not hitting well at all, got the kind of timely hitting that does so much more than average, especially in a rivalry like this, which was going to swing on emotion either way. Uh, the Rebels were full of it. You saw, okay, I, maybe I should have said it a little differently that way. Take it however you want to. But they were certainly full of emotion when they took that lead in game two and were threatening to win in front of the biggest crowd ever. Well, you know they were motivated. But then State comes back and breaks their hearts in the bottom of the ninth inning. Three walks, put the bases full with one out around a bunt to put the tying run in scoring position. And the young reliever, let's just be frank, and state players came out and said it. That humongous crowd cracked the kid on the mound. It motivated Mississippi State. And sometimes, too, these big crowds have a negative effect on the Bulldogs, too. They get too amped up. But they kept it under control. In fact, let me jump to that line. And, of course, uh, we have our transcript and our video of Lamonis from postgame. And you can check it out yourself on Gene's page. But let me get right to the guts of that one. He said that about midway of Saturday's game, the team relaxed and started having fun. Not just because they were being competitive. They just decided to have fun. They took some of the pressure off themselves, and it was like they picked up a great big sack full of it and dumped it in the other dugout, and you saw the other team cracking under the pressure of a great big crowd of the expectations. I mean, face it. When you've lost six straight series, now you have a chance to win the seventh and you can't pull it off. That's a team that's letting the pressure get to them as well. State didn't crack, but State also didn't overinflate. As Lamona said, and especially the Mississippi kids, he had to remind them all week. Highfield, Jordan, and Hines were the three he mentioned, but all the guys who are native to the state or who have been in this rivalry, they know what it means, and there was a concern they would come in a little too amped up and, frankly, feeling too much pressure to continue what started so many years ago. I think that's a positive thing in one way, though, because, A, it means the Bulldogs aren't complacent. They do not take this series for granted, and they came out playing for their lives because, in a large sense, they were. They're still 22-15 and 15 overall, only 5-10 and 10 in the SEC, but with other results – they finished the first half of conference season tied for ninth. And it's a four-way tie with Tennessee, Missouri, and Auburn. Of course, State plays Auburn this coming weekend. They're only one game back of Alabama, who the Bulldogs took a series from last weekend. And in the second half of SEC season, the next 15 games, that's where tie breaks start to take shape. So keep an eye on that one as well. What I'm saying is you've got a team that for the last couple of weeks has been tied for last, never actually alone in the cellar. Ole Miss has been there and, uh, by the way, are still there now. But right there on the edge of it and one more bad weekend from probably falling out of contention entirely. Instead, 
five and 10 is not great. You know, 33% is certainly not something that's going to make a big case at the postseason. But you're headed in the right direction with consecutive series wins, and now you're going to face an Auburn team that has lost eight of its last ten games, has some injuries. They may be getting a pitcher this back this weekend. They may not. We'll try to follow Butch Thompson's team a little bit more as we start preparing. Mike Nemoth will have a full scouting report on it. But the point being that State now has a chance to win three straight series. Steve Roberts and I were talking post-game with Mike Nemoth as well and Robbie Falk and thinking, you know, they could legitimately think about going down into Auburn and sweeping that series because the Tigers are that vulnerable at this moment. You never go in counting on it. But if State comes out of next weekend 8-10, and 10, for that matter, I think if they come out 7-11, and 11, A, you're feeling really good about the SEC tournament. I know, I know, that's never to be the goal for a season at Mississippi State. But after missing it last year and having been run-ruled the previous a season in, in Hoover, two games, you do want to get back there and at least be in position to get a favorable matchup, win a game, play a little bit more, and improve your postseason position because the newest NCAA RPIs will come out sometime late Sunday night. We're recording this on Sunday evening. But going into the weekend, before any of the games were played, State was up to number 27 in the NCAA's ratings power index. 27, if you hold that at the end of the season and have enough wins to go with it, that's a bid. You're in the tournament. Now, it doesn't help your seeding so much, but it means you're in the tournament, and that's the crucial stage for the dogs at this point. You've got to stay in selection range, and to do that means you've got to continue winning games, and more to the point, too, not losing games to teams like Auburn. You need to win that series really badly, so the pressure's on just in a different sort of way right now. State has a chance to do some damage in the second half of the season. Now, again, they're going to play some heavyweights as well. You've got LSU coming up. You've got Arkansas on the schedule. But you also have Auburn this weekend. You've got a Texas A&M team in mid-May that's now struggling again. You feel like you've got a chance to undo some of the damage done at the early part of the season. And, of course, we always tend to forget, too, somebody's losing on the other side of every series in the conference right now. So, scoreboard watching is about to come a big deal again, not in terms of a championship, but in terms of where Mississippi State stands every day of a weekend as they go into the second half of conference season. Like I said, a top 30 RPI is is excellent at this point, especially considering you started out 0-6 in conference play. You've just got to take advantage of that. And Mississippi State took advantage of it this weekend, even setting aside who they beat which is difficult because that's the whole theme of our podcast. Same Mississippi State song, seventh verse. And boy, are they getting tired of hearing this tune up in Oxford. But look how they did it. Like I said, they didn't hit well. They didn't field great, but they made the fielding plays they had to when it mattered most. Um, I can't overstate a couple of defensive fielding plays made on the left side of the infield when Ole Miss had just tied the game, because that game could have gotten away from State really easily today. It didn't happen. They made just enough plays happen. Luke Hancock is pulling some balls out at first base. He just needs to get something in his range there. You noticed in the lineup that Highfield played every game at catcher, so at this point, they're just committing to the kid. And he's the future of the position anyway. We knew that from the day he signed with Mississippi State. But the fact that here midseason, he's the guy behind the plate, well, that tells you that 
A, it's necessary, and B, he's up to the task now. So congratulations to Highfield for what he did behind there. Not a big weekend at the bat, but that's why he's down there in eighth and ninth in the order. And we've seen potential other games. The guy can hit. We know he can. That's he. That was supposed to be his calling card when he came to college, and now he's focusing so much on defense, which is what a catcher is all about. It seems to have taken away from his offense to an extent. He'll be fine. You just need State to make things happen in the rest of the order. I like what uh, both uh, Lamonis and Jake Gotro did in a couple of areas. One thing, they're committing to Jake Alford. I'm sorry, Slate Alford at third base. Is he a great third baseman? No. He's the best you've got all around, by which I mean he's the third baseman with the best chance to make something happen with the bat. There are probably better fielders that can be put at the hot corner, but Alford is the guy who has more chance to do something at the plate. Again, not a big weekend, but Ole Miss knew he had power potential, and with the wind blowing out to right field all weekend, I think that had to factor in how the Rebels were pitching everything. You notice they, the first two pitchers, their Friday and Saturday guys, did a pretty good job of keeping it low and away and a lot of breaking stuff. But it caught up to them at the end of Saturday when the breaking stuff was not breaking into the zone. And then, of course, Sunday, Mississippi State just got the right time, right place, right people up at the plate because guys were able to keep innings alive. Sometimes that matters much more than what you do yourself as far as RBI runs. Just keep the inning going and give somebody else a chance. Speaking of chance, State did not use Bryce Chance this past weekend. Now, he did play against UAB, so he's healthy. But they decided to go with the outfield of Dakota Jordan, uh, Cole Ledbetter, and Kellum Clark. It looks like at this point, halfway of SEC season, they have pretty much settled on the best lineup they have as far as both offense and acceptable on defense. And like I said, even though they made mistakes, those mistakes did not come back to haunt the Bulldogs this past weekend. You can't count on that all season long, but they did it for one weekend. It's got to build confidence in them, and it's got to build confidence in the pitching ahead of them. And speaking of the pitching, we're going to wonder – as the season plays out, what would have happened had Cade Smith stayed healthy? He was only able to go a handful of innings on Friday night, but after the game, Lamona said that from now on out, he's full strength. He's He'll go as long as he can go in those Friday night starts because now you put him at the front end of it. You've got a steady hand there who's going to get things going. It reduces some of your needs to, take, say, gamble on Durangelo Sanjay in the first matchup. And by the way, he was awesome today on Sunday, but that helped him because he had a couple of extra days rest by being moved in that position. So now with Smith back at the start of the rotation, you know what you're going to get out of Lyndon Gartman there in the middle of it. And it comes down to when do you have to throw Nate Dome? Actually, it doesn't. Stay with me on this. Until Aaron Nixon got healthy, yes, it did. You knew you'd have to use Dome, and indeed, he was able to take care of Saturday's game. Got roughed up a little bit at the end, but got the out he absolutely had to have to keep it a one-run game, and State, of course, came back in the bottom of the frame. He threw only 29 pitches, so I suppose he could have come back today if they thought it was absolutely necessary. They didn't because Nixon only had to throw nine pitches in Saturday's game, and he was good to go to finish out this one. And by the way, the Texas transfer got his first Mississippi State decision, and he got it in a rubber game against Ole Miss. 
how's that for a resume? Uh, you know, I couldn't resist putting a little th- line in there about, you know, he's from Texas, University of Texas. Everything's supposed to be bigger out there. Well, Aaron Nixon, all he could talk about was the crowd, the atmosphere, everything about Duty Noble Field. So you know where college baseball is the biggest and the best. Right here, son. So that was great to see him because now you can use Dome ideally not until maybe game two or three, but you've got him available if Smith needs to be combined with him. Gartman's going to eat up innings now, and it's just hard to overstate what Sanjay did today. He's done it the left-right act before this season, but not in a serious game. This time it was dead serious. Ole Miss had five left-handers in their order today. And during the second inning, I went up to Robbie and Steve and Mike and said, have you all noticed something that he's throwing 76 to 81 from the left side and everything's moving big? But the point being, when right-handers came up and he put the glove on the other hand and threw it, he was throwing 81 to 95. His fastest pitch left-handed was his slowest pitch right-handed. A little bit of an ironic twist there and the kind of fun thing that we obsess about in college baseball. But the larger point being, he was able to get the matchups. Ole Miss was not quite ready for it. Lamonis joked a little bit that he kept it secret that he was going to throw both ways. I mean, we've known he was capable. And I, I can't think that Ole Miss was entirely surprised, but they didn't have any good clues because he hadn't done it in recent weeks. So why would they spring it there? Well, he did, and he made it work. He didn't let left-handers beat up on him. And if you saw the wind today blowing straight out to right and blowing pretty darn hard, keeping stuff breaking and moving and inside to the left side of the plate was huge. He did that, and when he went right-handed, he kept it away from them. They weren't able to get the barrel really hard on the bat to drive it deep. I think the best shot off him was a a line drive that stayed inside the park off the wall. So Gerangelo was able to work both left and right and make it work. And you got to think that's going to be one of the big storylines nationally. But it's not a freak show. It's the real thing. This guy is the real thing. And now a game like this is going to do marvelous things for his confidence. Yeah. You know you can do it physically, but until you've done it and it paid off in a victory, there's always that little bit of doubt in your head. Not now. He's done it. He's beaten an arch rival. He's beaten him in a rubber game. He's got to feel good about going into the second half of his own first SEC season. Now, State is still last in the SEC in defense. As I said, it didn't hurt. Someday it will. But with the commitment now to Alford at third base, it leaves the option. Lane Forsyth has been struggling with the ball. I think, and he's a good shortstop. We know he's a very good shortstop, but he has more errors this year than his previous two seasons combined. And you can just see it in his footwork and his body language. He's just trying so hard to be perfect because he's aware of that, that it's impacting his play. It was a gamble. You can only call it a gamble by Gotro and Lamonis to put David Mershon at shortstop for a game like this. And it wasn't because of injury. They just had to do it for confidence-wise, for all sorts of purposes. And, of course, Mershon had the bunt on Saturday night. It proved to be a really impact on how the Rebels pitched. But 
giving a guy like that who has struggled to hit the ball this season, putting in the pressure situation of an Ole Miss team that can run, that can put the ball on the ground, that can force you to make mistakes on the base pass, that said a lot for their faith in this freshman, and he lived up to it. So congratulations, David Mershon. Now, does he take over the job full-time? I don't know. Foresight is probably still, all things considered, the better shortstop. But he's not playing like the better shortstop right now. And if you're not, at some point, you got to make the change. They State did not have the horses to do it last year. But now they do with Mershon. Of course, they can always switch him over to third base. They can move Alford around. You, you still got DH options because there's going to come a time where Highfield has just got to sit down a while, let Luke Hancock catch, but you still got to keep some big bats in the lineup. And Bryce Chance is going to need to get some swings as well because you need that fourth outfielder as well. You can't just let him sit on the bench and rust. So there's some personnel decisions to make. But you know what? It's a heck of a lot better to make personnel decisions when you got personnel to make decisions with instead of just being tied down to a limit you have. And certainly Scott Vauxhall has found himself with Kate Smith getting back, with Nixon getting healthy. Now you've got more options. Yeah, there's going to be the tendency to think, well, what if? What if those guys have been fully ready to go? Would State have it taken at least one at Kentucky? Would they have won the South Carolina series? Quite possible. You'll never know. But that's just how this season's played out. And in a way, the testing of Bulldog spirits to survive this, because there are a lot of veterans from last year's team who remember at one point they were something like uh, nearly 500 in SEC and then just collapsed the rest of the way down the stretch. So they remember that, but they've managed to put it aside and not let it impact their play this season because – they could have let two or three, they could have let this whole series get away from them. Ole Miss came in motivated despite the record. They played hard. They pitched well. They got some timely hitting of their own, and they were really, really aggressive at the plate, maybe a little bit too much so. Now, Mississippi State pitching still had uh, 10 walks, but most of those came in today's game, and frankly, a couple of them I didn't mind under the situation at the time. Got 25 strikeouts, though, in the games. So they're still able to put guys down when they have to, getting some uh, call strikeouts. And this was the most interesting uh, crew for all of us longtime SEC guys. You never know how guys like Kennedy and Klein are going to read a strike zone. I don't mean day-to-day. I mean inning-to-inning. Mississippi State adapted and made it happen. Uh, Bulldog batters have the fewest strikeouts in the SEC and the third most walks in all games and are hitting solidly in the top half of most categories. Now, the average still needs to improve. The state needs more guys because, like I said, you got away with winning a series with only 18 base hits in three games. So you need more people to get up there and make things happen on the pass. Drawing walks is one way to do it, and again, that's how you won on Saturday. It set up some pressure on Ole Miss again today as well when they're worried more about the top of the order, the Ledbetter and Hines connection, and pitching carefully to them and not minding walking them in a couple of situations. You still need some guys to get it back. I'm still, still waiting for Kellum Clark to deliver on the obvious potential he has there. You're, you're watching a guy like Hancock who has been clutched so much of his career. He struggled this past weekend. Not in the field, but the plate this time. It did, did, did not hurt State dearly. But you want a guy 
that you know at some point is going to have a good series out there, and this weekend is an awfully fine time to do it as well. But Dakota Jordan, that's somebody you can build an offense around. You back up Hines with Jordan, a guy who can crush the ball, but also, as he proved, get the well-timed base hit, sneak it through a hole, drive in two runs, win the game, strip your shirt off, and go celebrate with about 16,000 of your closest new friends. You just see a kid, and he's still barely tapping into his potential. I think his swing is ugly because he's not using the entire body right now. Imagine if he did. Uh, Then you'd have balls showing up on GTR radar leaving the park at this point. He's only going to get better. And so is Hines. He's just a sophomore. And by the way, he has 33 career home runs right now. He just surpassed last year's total of 16. He has 17 on this season. And again, you still got the second half of SEC play and hopefully postseason are there. He's only four homers out of career top 10, and he's just been here a year and a half. That's the power potential he has. Highfield, I mentioned, he's only going to get better behind the plate, and once he's totally relaxed there, can focus again on his hitting. You've seen the power he can deliver there. You know the average can be there. Bryce Chance, he's going to get back in there. He's got to get his chances again, no pun intended. Uh, Ledbetter, batting 333 on the season right now. Amani uh, Larry, now he's, he's slumped lately, and they moved him out of the two-hole. He was batting, I believe, eighth today. But he's been comfortable hitting up at top, and so depending on how and when he brings it back, because you know he's going to bring it back. He's just done it for too long in his career. You feel good about then. How do you match up with guys like Mershon and others and move them around the order? Do you make Mershon your number nine guy, for all intents, another leadoff hitter in that purpose? Or do you just move Larry down to the nine hole and let Highfield hit eighth? There's You start having more options now because guys are figuring out the game. More so, they're figuring out how to play relaxed and aggressive. That was the phrase Lamonis used post-game. Play relaxed, but be aggressive. I think that's been missing for a good bit of the season because they tried to play so technical and tight. We've commented before that maybe a little obsession with analytics, maybe some of the perfection they've tried to attempt some things with, instead of just going out there and playing baseball. Well, starting about midway in Saturday's game, they went out and played baseball, but they played it the right way. They got just enough hits. They made the plays in the field, got the pitching that they thought they would get this season already. Now it's coming into shape. You see a team that is going to belie the full season numbers as you get deeper in the season if they continue to develop. And as I mentioned, too, you're still, you've got Bryce Chance, who's getting some chances, and uh, Connor Heisack. They were able to put him in a pinch-hit role the other night and get on base. You've, you've got some more choices there. Uh, we've run through the pitchers. And by the way, let's give credit to Graham Eintma for coming in and get some relief innings. You know that there's some matchup people now. And Colby Holcomb, who is emerging as the gutsy go-to guy on Friday nights when you have to lift Cade Smith. Yeah, he's going to walk some people. Um but he's going to strike out some people. He's going to make plays in the field. What's uh, 37 strikeouts, 24 walks? Okay, 24 walks is ridiculous, but he's been able to overcome that in the last couple of games. And now, and say this for him, he is absolutely fearless up there. And sometimes that's what you need because he can shake off that walk, he can shake off that hit, and come back and attack the batter. 
That's what you want to see from your long relief guy, somebody who picks up the pace. Congratulations to KC Hunt. Yeah, he struggled today, but he was coming back on another outing. He made enough plays when he had to make it. And, and again, that just sums up the whole weekend. State made just enough of every aspect of the game to come away with a series victory, the sweetest of the all in the regular season. Seven straight over the Rebels. What, 21-6 and six now since the streak began? Wow. What's going to happen up in Oxford at this point? Because here you have the defending national champions, and they still can't break through against their arch rival down in Starkville. So congratulations again to the record crowd. And by the way, I want to comment on something that Lamona said today. He made sure, and there was no prompting involved from any of us media, he brought up a point that as much as he enjoyed, of course, his own team having success against Ole Miss, he brought up a comment that said that we've had a lot of success against them lately, which was a direct reference to winning back the Golden Egg last November by, in Mike Leach's last game, of course, with now head coach Zach Arnett uh, is coordinating and in charge of the team and we should talk more about spring football. We're going to run out of time today. We'll save that for later in the week. We're going to do a um, kind of overview and review of what we saw from the spring game and spring as a whole. We'll start writing some pieces on position by position and the groups as well. Safe to, I'll say this. It was a good spring game. I'd say there's an honest 10,000 people there. Uh, better energy than any time in the last several, even many years combined. So football's worth talking about, but in the spirit of the moment, we're focused on baseball. But Lamonis didn't just focus on baseball. He mentioned that, and he was also referring to Chris Jan's basketball team scoring a season sweep of the Rebels. So here we are. In the big three sports, Mississippi State has swept the board. I know there's still the Governor's Cup out there, and it matters in its own way. But when you've won the SEC series, you've won the season, Mississippi State, three for three this year in the rivalry sports. You've got to think his new boss, Zach Selman, is going to like the sound of that comment by his head baseball coach. Well, I hope you like the sound of the comments we've made here in the doghouse. Uh, still a little giddy from it. Um, yeah, I was tense. You know that streaks, all streaks are bound to end at some point. But as the saying goes, not today, not this year and not especially with the biggest college baseball crowd on a campus ever cheering the Bulldogs on thunderously so to a win, the biggest weekend crowd ever, even at Mississippi State for a regular season series. Now, regionals have drawn more, but regular season, records by the fans, think of that. And I want to congratulate the fans too because it would have been easy for them to stay away in nerves that maybe the streak's going to end Maybe this is our time. Maybe this is not the team, that sort of thing. No. You turned out, and you made a difference. You inspired the dogs, and quite bluntly, you cracked a few of the Rebels. Thank you, fans, for showing up, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Doghouse. Again, this is your host, David Murray. We're brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you hear, and how could you not, give us a like on Apple Podcast. Thanks again. We've enjoyed talking with you, and we've enjoyed the weekend. Mississippi State, seven straight series wins over Ole Miss. Same song, seventh verse. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.